2. We're going to continue this morning in our sermon series through the book of Jonah. Really, we're going to start where we left off uh, last week in chapter 1, verse 17. Uh, but the bulk of our sermon is going to be there in uh, chapter 2. If you don't have your Bible with you, you can use one of the pew Bibles that are in the pew rack right in front of you, those black Bibles, and you can find uh, our passage this morning on page 774. 774. As you find your way there, I want to invite you, if you're able, one more time uh, to stand with me as I read for us God's holy and inspired and inerrant word from this minor prophet in the book of Jonah. We'll start in chapter 1, verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep and into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your waves and billows passed over me. And then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me and to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and, I, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah upon the dry land. Let's pray together. Lord, may the words of my mouth this morning and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We're just saying a verse in that very, very well-known hymn, Amazing Grace, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. I wonder as we sang those words, what came to your mind? <clears throat> those moments in your life that you've been at the end of your rope, when it seems like all hope has been lost. I don't know, have you ever been in a season of your life, perhaps as a result of your own massive mistakes, that you felt like you were just sinking down, down, down? Well, that's exactly where we pick up and find Jonah this morning. Perhaps you've noticed, as we've read along uh, in the book of Jonah, uh, that whoever wrote the book loves to use just these repeated words and phrases over and over again to help us draw attention. Maybe you've noticed that with the word down. You noticed as we've read through the book thus far, 
how many times Jonah has gone down. Over and over again, we see Jonah going down, down, down. He went down to Joppa, boarded a boat, headed down for Tarshish. He bought his ticket and he went down into the bottom of the ship. In the bottom of the ship, Jonah laid down and fell fast asleep, fleeing from the presence of the Lord. And then the great storm came and the ship captain came in and told Jonah, Arise! The opposite. Jonah said in order for the sea to be calmed, that the sailors must pick him up and throw him down into the sea. And that's exactly what they did, we saw last week. Down, 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 into the heart of the sea. Now here we find Jonah in the belly of this fish. He says, at the roots of the mountains, down, down, down. The question that comes up is, how is Jonah going to get back up? Who is going to raise Jonah up? Well, that's what we find in our sermon text this morning. And that gets to our main idea. You see in your notes there, you have that main idea, kind of the, the main idea of this passage. And the main idea this morning is that God hears our cries for mercy and answers by delivering us from our sin. God hears our cries for mercy, and he answers us by delivering us from our sin. Again, just like that last week, I have two points, two different uh, lessons here that I want us to see from uh, this prayer, really, from the book of Jonah. And the first point is that God hears our desperate cries for mercy. God hears our desperate cries for mercy. So here we find Jonah in the belly of the fish. And what we have here is really a prayer. Actually, it's it's very similar to the Psalms. It's like a psalm in which Jonah is crying out to the Lord in the midst of his lowest moment. And he cries out to God for salvation. Chapter Uh, Two really is kind of a respite in a lot of ways. Up until this point, as you remember, there's been a lot of action. There's been a lot of movement. There's been a lot of chaos that's been happening around Jonah and his story. But now here in chapter two, all of the chaos stops. All of the action of the story seems to pause. And here we find Jonah, the belly of a fish, the bottom of the sea, alone and still with his God. And in the quietness and in the stillness of this watery grave, Jonah stops his running and he cries out to God. There's a lot here for us to see, but I want to focus on three lessons in this first point, three things that we learn about Jonah's cry for mercy. Three things. The first lesson that Jonah's prayer teaches us is that we all deserve God's divine justice. We all deserve God's divine justice. Let me ask you a question. How did Jonah get into the belly of that fish at the bottom of the sea? 
How did he get there? How does Jonah understand that he got there? Who put Jonah in this entire predicament? Who hurled the storm upon the sea? Who revealed to the sailors both the purpose and the source of that storm and its solution? Who sent the fish to swallow Jonah? The answer to those questions is that God did it. God did this. Jonah even understands this. Uh, Look at verse 3. Verse 3 in his prayer, he says, For you cast me into the deep. Now wait a minute, I thought the sailors cast him into the deep. Jonah understands that this was the work of God. Into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. And then look what he says, All your waves and all of your billows passed over me. Jonah understood, he knew that this predicament in which he found himself This watery grave is an act of God's divine judgment because of his rebellion. Jonah knew that he deserved God's just judgment. Jonah deserved to be right where he was. This was the work of the Lord against Jonah. The second lesson that we learn here, the second lesson that Jonah learns from the depths of the sea is that he cannot save himself. When it comes to God's divine judgment, he is helpless to save himself. We saw this a bit last week. Listen again here at verse five. Listen to the desperation of Jonah's cry here in verse five. He says, the waters close in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. The weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountain. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Sounds like a pretty desperate situation, doesn't it? I don't know how many of you guys have ever been in the sea and perhaps been caught in a tide or perhaps been tangled in something in water. It's a terrifying experience. Maybe you've had a dream uh, to those ends, right? It's a terrifying experience, and it's helpless. It's exactly where Jonah finds himself. So we can hear the desperation of his cry. We can hear the desperation of Jonah's predicament. He is absolutely helpless. There's nothing that Jonah can do to save himself. Brothers and sisters, I want you to see this morning that that's exactly where God wanted Jonah to be. God put him there in this helpless situation where Jonah was literally at the end of his rope. God wanted him to be there. Jonah can't preach himself out of this. He can't swim his way out of this. He can't outrun God's judgment anymore. So what does Jonah have left to do? That's the third lesson that we see. Jonah does all he can do. He cries out to God. And brothers and sisters, God hears Jonah's cry. 
You see that in verse two? Look again at verse two. I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried and you heard my voice. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that hope inspiring? That God hears and responds to Jonah's cry? Jonah had to sink lower than rock bottom to get there. He's at the roots of the mountains. But finally, finally, it seems like Jonah gets it right. And God in his mercy listens to the prayers of his people and he answers them by his grace. He sends salvation to Jonah. So let me ask you a question this morning. Where do you go? Where do you go when you find yourselves in the depths of your sin? Where do you go when you have come to the end of your rope? To whom do you turn in your deepest hour of need? Our, our sinful response is to run from Jesus in these moments. When we find ourselves uh, in the depths of our sin, we feel ashamed, we feel lost, we feel guilty. And what we tend to do in our own selves is we tend to flee from the light of God's grace in those moments. The, the accuser says you don't deserve God's grace. You don't deserve to be in God's presence. It's exactly what Jonah says in verse four. He said, I'm driven away from your sight. And when we are in our most desperate moments, when we find ourselves in the depths of our sin and we feel God's punishment for our sin, it tends to be in those moments that the last person that we want to turn to is the God of grace. We want to flee from him. But brothers and sisters, it's precisely in these darkest moments that we need to cry out to God the most. It's at these moments when we need to realize that we can't help ourselves, try as we might. We've already seen how God, in his wrath, he is swift, he is fierce, but he is just. The lesson that Jonah is learning here, and the lesson that we need to learn today is that God's mercy is both rich and abundant. So in those moments when it feels like the last place that we want to be is in the presence of the Lord, it's in those moments where we need him the most. It's in those moments when his grace and his mercy is most abundant. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath. And then the most precious words in the entire Bible, but God, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, 
you have been saved. Notice what Paul said there. It's when you were dead in your trespasses and sin that God raised you up. You didn't have to clean yourself up first. You didn't have to unwrap the seaweed around your head, from around your head. Jonah didn't have to clean off the vomit from his clothes. It was in the midst of the belly of the fish where God in his mercy met Jonah. Pastor Dane Ortland says, there is no sin or misery, but God has mercy for it. He has a multitude of mercies. So friend, when you're in the middle of your despair because of your sin, turn to Christ and cry out to God for mercy. And we see here that he will hear you and he will meet you in the depths of your despair with his rich and abundant mercy. For those of you who do know God in this way, let me ask you this. Where do you go when you're in need? Do you know God in this way? Do you know God in this way, in the way that Jonah knows God here? Do you pray to God in this way? Or do you try to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps? Well, if that's you this morning, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you here from, from Jonah's prayer, right, that God delights to hear our cries for mercy and he delights to answer those cries in his grace. Pastor Nick, how do you, how do you know that? How, how do you know that you can't out God's mercy? How, how do you know that God will meet me in the midst of my despair? Well, I know it because Jesus has been raised from the dead. Because Jesus has been raised from the dead for you. And that brings us to point number two. God delivers us from death. God delivers us from death. So Jonah cries out to God for mercy. God not only hears, but he also responds by delivering Jonah from death. So Jonah's prayers have moved towards his heavenly father and the heavenly father hears the cries of his child and that moves the father to action. Right? There are many of you in this room who are parents and who have raised kids before. And I think if you've been in that position, you can relate to the heart of God here. You know, my family and I just a couple of weeks ago were able to get away for a week to go to Marco Island for a beach vacation. It was just really wonderful. And I think as a father of four kids, and I know my wife would say this if you were to ask her this morning, uh, perhaps you're the same way. Water kind of sets parents on edge a little bit, doesn't it? It ought to. While we were on this vacation, while we were on this trip, uh, our youngest kids really learned a lot more about how to swim. And, you know, just a few successful trips back and forth between mama made them feel like they were like ready for the Olympics. Uh, <clears throat> and so they wanted to take off the life vest and the puddle jumpers and all the things that keeps them above the water. And, uh, you know, you got to let them try. You got to let them do it. But just imagine for a moment if I were sitting there in my beach chair enjoying the breeze, enjoying the sun, enjoying the sounds of the ocean and listening 
and watching my kids play in the water. And then I hear that cry, Daddy, help. Daddy, help. What kind of a father would I be if I just lean that chair back a little bit more, take another sip of my lemonade, and say, you got yourself in this mess? Figure out how to get yourself out of this mess. I wouldn't be much of a father, would I? I'd be leaving my kid in danger. No, the cries of my children move me into action. My children's cries move me into action. And there we see, here in this passage, we see to a much greater extent God's response to his children's cries. Look at the last line there in verse 6. <clears throat> this last line in verse 6 really is the turning point for this whole chapter. In a lot of ways, it's kind of the turning point for the whole book. Jonah says, yet you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. You notice the change in language there? Jonah was saying that you cast me into the heart of the sea. Your waves and your billows rolled over me. Down, down, down. But now here in verse 6, Jonah says, but you brought me up. There it is. You brought me up from the pit. O Lord, my God. And this leads to Jonah's confession of praise at the end of verse 9. I'm, confess, I, I, I'm convinced that this one little sentence, five words at the end of verse 9, is the white hot center of the whole book of Jonah. This is the lesson that Jonah wants us to learn. This is the climax. And what is that confession? Salvation belongs to the Lord. This is what the book of Jonah is meant to teach us, that salvation belongs to God alone. Salvation doesn't belong to anyone else. And the gospel message is not that God brings you to salvation part of the way and then you got to come the last little bit and help yourself. No. God is a God who saves you. You don't save yourselves. That's the gospel. And that's why we sing, Jesus paid it all. We don't sing, Jesus paid part of it. Jesus paid it all. That's the gospel. That's the gospel for you this morning. You don't have to clean yourselves up. You don't have to bring yourself to a certain point in order for God to give you his mercy and grace. God goes all the way to you in the midst of your guilt, in the midst of your despair, in your deepest and darkest moments. God, the heavenly father, is moved to action by your prayers and he goes all the way to you to deliver you from your sin. How does God do this? How does he do it? How does he save Jonah? What means does God use to deliver Jonah? 
Now, you notice here, as we read this, maybe you noticed it, that Jonah's song for mercy comes between chapter 1, verse 17, and chapter 2, verse 10. And, and chapter 1, verse 17, and chapter 2, verse 10 are kind of like bookends that, that hold this prayer together, that hold the Psalms together. And it's in these two verses, in 17 and in 10, that the fish shows up. <laughs> the fish shows up, right? The, this wonderful, mysterious, uh, awesome fish that really seems to soak up all the attention of the book. He, he shows up in these two verses. Verse 17, God sends the great fish to swallow up Jonah. In verse 10, God speaks to the fish and the fish vomits Jonah back up on the dry ground. That's it. That's all the fish does. But notice that the fish is not the one who does the commanding here. God sent the fish and God spoke to the fish in chapter 2, verse 10. You see, this fish is just the means that God uses to save Jonah's life. Jonah's cast into the sea, and he's sinking down. He's about to drown. And I know this is strange, and this is odd, and this is miraculous, but the way that God saves Jonah is by sending a fish to swallow him whole. It's a big fish. Right? Swallows Jonah whole, and for three days and for three nights, Jonah is held safe in the belly of this fish. This fish is kind of like Noah's ark. This, this fish is kind of like Moses's wicker basket that his mother put him in when she put him in the Nile. This, this little vessel of salvation, this little vessel that God uses for salvation. Here's the good news for you and for me. God doesn't use a great fish to save you and me today. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to send a fish to swallow us whole in order to save our lives today. He uses something much more precious. He uses someone that is much more costly to himself. You think that God goes through great lengths to save Jonah by sending a fish to swallow him up? Think about the lengths that God goes through to save a wretch like you and like me. Again, this is not a story about a fish. The fish just points us forward to something greater, something much more costly. Jesus himself gives us this greater picture of Jonah's journey in the fish. Again, Matthew chapter 13, we read it just early in verse 40. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. See, the story that Jonah points us forward to is the story of the greater prophet, Jesus, who died as an innocent, perfect sacrifice for sinners like us. And he was placed in that borrowed tomb in the heart of the earth for three days 
and for three nights. All of the action has ceased. All of the chaos has settled. And there in that tomb, on that Sabbath day, God rests from his saving work. And then, in the stillness of that moment, God is moved to action again. And he raises Jesus up from the grave for you and for me. Paul says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of our sin is death. You realize, sinner, that you deserve death because of your sin. But the good news is this, that the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We can find security. We can find assurance. We can find eternal life because Jesus lived, died, and rose again for us. So friend, if you're here this morning and if you never placed your trust in Jesus, you can call on him today. You can call on him in the midst of your sin today and he will hear your cries. If you place your trust in him, he will forgive you of your sin. And the call of this passage for you, friend, is to repent of your sin and to trust in the only one who can save you. Scripture says that if you confess your sin, that he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from your unrighteousness. So do you trust him? Will you trust in him today? One last lesson here I want us to see from this text. One last piece. And this is a lesson, especially for those of us in this room who are Christians. God saves Jonah and God releases him out of the belly of the fish. And Jonah is still going to be used mightily by God. We'll see this moving forward. Even though Jonah is a wretch of a prophet, and even though he is a massive screw-up as a man, God is still going to use him mightily. Even though Jonah is still deeply flawed and really absolutely clueless when it comes to God's amazing grace. Well, brothers and sisters, that's the same for you and me. God has saved us from so much through his son, Jesus. But yet we are all still deeply flawed human beings. But God still patiently works in us to mold us and to shape us by his grace and for his purposes. So trust him. Trust him today, even in the midst of your failures. Press on in faithfulness because his grace is sufficient for you. Let's pray together.